Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to DC. on DMV you know who it is youngest in charge movement Linnell Willingham here with you live and local on the team 980 and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app ride with me for the next three hours I'll take you up to three o'clock before we dish the rock to the Hoffman show burgundy in gold today the combination of myself the legend Scott Jackson and the DOC Rick, Doc, Walker, we got you covered weekdays 12 to 3 right here on the Team 980. Jam-packed show for you. We got star-studded guest list this afternoon. Joining us at 1245, former commander tight end Logan Paulson. He'll get us up to speed on the X's and O's matchup as the commanders getting ready to go into enemy territory tomorrow night to take on Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. I don't even know what to call it. We called... Dallas two weeks ago a must win game I called the Tennessee Titans game a win or else (laughs) the Grim Reaper is in Ashburn ladies and gentlemen it is we have reached that point we really have and it was interesting yesterday listening uh, to some of the players talk in the open locker room that's the beautiful thing that now that COVID has escaped us the media gets to get more in-depth access to the players and Really, the mood and tone around that locker room it is, is exactly what it should be. There is a sense of urgency within the players. I do know that. I uh, listened to Jonathan Allen talk yesterday and just talking about how important tomorrow night's game is. The quote I believe he said was, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen many teams that go far that start off one and five. So John Allen gets it. This entire roster gets it. It's about what are they going to do to change their results. They're in the midst of a four-game losing streak right now. And what's so disappointing about it is that it feels like they found new ways to lose. The last two weekends against Dallas and Tennessee, defensively you've done enough to win those two football games. The self-inflicted wounds on the offensive side of the football are starting to become very glaring. You had 11 penalties for over 130 yards against Dallas. 
You had nine penalties Sunday against Tennessee for 71 yards. You were one for 11 on third down. And it, it, it led me, as I'm getting ready for the show today, I started thinking about it. When I go and look over these numbers and I see how poor Washington has performed offensively uh, in the past three weekends, I'll say. I think Sunday against Tennessee, the shot plays were there. They were able to create some explosives, so to speak, in the passing game. But their inability to get first downs on a consistent basis and be able to sustain and maintain drives has really been really been the, the, the deciding factor for this football team the last two weekends. Obviously, the score in Dallas probably looks a lot worse than it is. Defensively, though, they did enough to win, like I said. But as I'm getting ready for the show today, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, does Washington have an identity? I'm going back to my question from yesterday. What is the biggest reason that Philadelphia and New York have had, you know, much quicker success, so to speak, in their rebuilds? And the one thing I can say about both of those football teams, talking about the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles, both of those teams, specifically on the offensive side of the football, have an identity. They have a calling card. If I was to ask you guys out there on the Team 980 Lester lines, 1-800, excuse me, 301-230-0980, what is the offensive identity of the Washington Commanders? Because what they told us they wanted their offensive identity to be was what they were during that four-game winning streak a season ago that everybody constantly is referring to. During that four-game winning streak, the way they were getting it done was running the football, controlling the time of possession in the clock, and really just beating people up offensively, up front. Right now, as we sit here five weeks in in 2022, I don't know what Washington's offensive identity uh, offensive identity is, and I want to find that out here today. If you have an answer for me, call in. 301-230-0980. What is Washington's offensive identity in 2022? Because when you take a look at some of the numbers, the numbers tell you that, hmm, you know, maybe this isn't last year's commander's team. Obviously it isn't. But the identity that they tried to forge during that four-game winning streak, I said it then and I'll say it now, I don't think it's sustainable. And when you look at the numbers from a pass-run standpoint of what Washington has been this year, they're 23rd in the National Football League in rushing attempts per game. So that tells me that, yeah, we can run the ball, but that's not really what we want to do. And based off of some of Carson Wentz's numbers through the first month plus of the season, it has become very evident whether they want it to be their identity or not. This is a pass-first offense. And there are multiple problems with that. There is. Because when you have the offensive line like Washington's that has struggled so mightily in pass pro, it's not smart to have that be your identity. You got to do things to help your guys out. And that just goes back to the discussion that we've been having. The issue it feels like with Washington is they're not doing what they can to help their guys succeed. They're not. Not on a consistent basis. Even go back to the Dallas and the Philadelphia game. Those two football games where they score a combined 18 points, they were able to establish the running game in both of those contests. The issue is... It seems as if they're getting away from it far too early. You go back to the Philadelphia Eagles game. You finish 
averaging four yards a pop. Now, if you look at the box score in the game, you're scoreless after one quarter. Philly obviously goes on that run in the second in the second quarter where they put up 24 points. I say all that to say the score normally dictates whether or not a football team can continue to run the football, right? Because obviously, you know, if you're down multiple scores, my rule of thumb is if you're down 17 or more, it's pretty tough for you to try to run the football on a consistent basis. But in the last three football games for Washington, they've been in them, and they have been reluctant to stick with the running game. Like I mentioned against Philadelphia, you finished the game averaging four yards a pop. Antonio Gibson in that first quarter alone was averaging close to five yards an attempt. And the beautiful thing about technology, we can go and look at it for what it is. In that Philadelphia game, in that first half, Antonio Gibson was productive running the football. And that still didn't open things up offensively for Washington. So that leads me to answer, or leads me to ask, excuse me, the question of the day for today. What is a two-parter here? What do you think Washington's offensive identity is right now, five games into the season? And then the second part of it is, what do you think their offensive identity should be? 301 230 0980. We've got Logan Paulson, former commander's tight end, joining us at the bottom of the 12 o'clock hour at about 1240 or so. He'll hop on here with us and give us the X's and O's and look ahead at tomorrow's contest against the Chicago Bears and how Washington should be looking to attack that football team. Coming up at 1.30, our good friend Ethan Cadeau, NBC Sports Washington beat writer, set to join the program. He was out in Ashburn yesterday. The team obviously traveling right now. They're on the road getting ready to go down to Chicago for their date tomorrow night with the Bears. And Ethan, like I mentioned, was in the open locker room and is able to get a better gauge on the demeanor and attitude of this football team right now. So we'll ask him about that at 1.30. At 2 o'clock, we'll take a big picture view of the National Football League. Mark Schofield, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, SB Nation writer, set to join the program as well. And he's had... A lot to say about Carson Wentz over the first five weeks of the season and early on this year and in the offseason, he was very critical uh, of his play. So we'll get an update on what they think nationally about the QB1 here in Washington right now. Obviously, the big headline yesterday, really for the past two days, have been the comments that Ron Rivera made in his media availability about Carson Wentz and his and, and him in that position, the quarterback position, being the big deciding factor in difference between the success that Washington has had in their rebuild, and then the success that Philadelphia and New York have had in theirs. And I've said it here, that it'll be the the talking point and, and thing that should bang your head on the table about here today. If someone can call in here today, I might even got a surprise for you. I might even got a reward for you. If you can call in here today and tell me what you think Washington's identity is offensively, then maybe then maybe they'll start to have some success here. 301-230-0980. Twitter and Instagram, you can reach me there as well. N-E-L-L underscore BTP. When we come back, we'll take a deeper look at the rushing numbers for the Washington Commanders over the first five games of the season. Everybody seems to want them to stick with it. Is it realistic or not? I'll tell you what I think next. 
Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Team 980 and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Manel Willingham. Here with you on Burgundy and Gold today. We're talking commanders as we do each and every weekday here from 12 to 3 on the Team 980. Topic of discussion right now, though, is this commander's offense who has really struggled the last month, so to speak, give or take here. The Jacksonville Jaguars game, we come out and we saw this group come out guns a-blazing. Carson Wentz throws for four touchdowns. The numbers are beautiful. You creep up on 400 yards of total offense. You were efficient on third down. Seven of ten in week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The commanders were on third down. Seven of ten. Since that time period, Washington really has struggled offensively. Not just on third down, but running the football as well. The third down numbers are extremely interesting because they've dropped each and every week. This past coming into Thursday night's game, Washington 20th in the National Football League in third down conversion percent at just above 38%. And if you look at some of the teams uh, that are ahead of them, you would think, man, there's a case to be made that Washington has more weapons offensively than these groups. The New York Jets at 19 are ahead of Washington. San Francisco offensively doesn't really have great weaponry. They're ahead of Washington. The Seattle Seahawks, led by the surprise story of the year, Geno Smith, has a better third down conversion rate than Washington. The Jaguars, the Falcons, you name it. I mean, some teams that are supposed to be some of the worst teams in the league are outperforming Washington, uh, in my opinion, on the most critical down uh, in the game. And the conversation all ties together here. This week and last week as well, everyone has been calling for this team to run the football more. The old school people are saying they want to do it the ugly way, counter trap like Rigo back in the day. The new school people are even saying, get guys like Curtis Samuel involved. Get guys like J.D. McKissick involved. Use the fly sweep game, something that you had major success with against Jacksonville. The issue is, though, I know Washington has a personnel issue up front on the offensive line, but 
if you had an identity, things would be a lot easier. If you had something that you wanted to stick to, things would be a lot easier. Because right now it seems as if Washington is a pass-first football team. And you all know what I know about this team's offensive line. That would be contradictory (laughs) to be a pass-first football team and try to rely on that as your best weapon offensively when you know how horrendous this offensive line has been in pass pro. There is a reason Carson Wentz has been the most sacked quarterback in the National Football League. There is a reason this football team is near the bottom of the league in yards per play. They're having major struggles up front, and I think you can help the offensive line by forging an identity. But I want to hear from you guys on this. 301-230-0980, N-E-L-L underscore BCP is how you reach me on Twitter and Instagram. It's a two-parter here. What do you think the Washington Commanders' offensive identity is as we currently sit here five weeks into the season, get ready to kick off week six tomorrow night? And the second part of it is, what do you think their offensive identity should be? 301-230-0980. Right now, I think their offensive identity, excuse me, based on the numbers alone, this is a pass-first football team. And it's not very difficult to understand that. What they told us, though, this offseason is basically that, yeah, we want to be a pass-first football team. They felt as if the acquisition of Carson Wentz, along with the weapons they have on the perimeter in that tight end and in the backfield, would lead them to be a pass-first team. And they felt as if acquiring Carson Wentz could really help unlock the vertical element of this passing game. That was the buzzword and the buzz phrase that we heard this offseason. Now, Luckily for you guys, I'm a genius. I got numbers for you here. It doesn't add up. What they're trying to do and what's actually happening isn't aligning with each other. And here's why. Washington wanted to open up the vertical element of this passing game, right? And attack more down the field. We haven't seen that on a regular basis. Not only have we not seen seen them have success doing it, we haven't even really seen them try it all that often. As we head into tomorrow night's game against Chicago, Washington 24th in the National Football League in yards per attempt. 6.6 yards per throw on a completion for Washington. So that tells me, A, you're struggling to push the ball down the field, as we all know, and B, you don't really know what you want to be offensively. If you are a team that wants to be an aggressive, vertical-style offense, you wouldn't have went into the halftime locker room last weekend against Tennessee without trying to take a shot play, without trying to give your quote-unquote big play offense a chance to score. That's the beautiful thing about this whole thing. It's almost contradictory in a sense. It really is. And this is no slight at Carson Wentz. I don't think it's Carson Wentz's fault that they haven't taken more deep shots. I think it's the fact that they aren't calling more deep shots. One, because offensive coordinator Scott Turner does not trust this offensive line to hold up in pass protection that long, which he shouldn't. And B, I really do think they want to establish the run. I, I, do, I don't think that's just some type of coach speak. I do think they believe in what they have in the backfield, in Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, Jonathan Williams, and McKissick. They believe in those four backs. It's about sticking with it, which is sometimes tough to do. Because as we all know, we watch the games together. Washington has shot themselves in the foot on a consistent basis on first and second down all year long. Whether it's penalties, 
This is why I say they're finding a new way to lose. Dallas and Philadelphia, it's penalties. Last week, it's penalties. And your center, Nick Martin, who's been here for only two weeks, is struggling to get the ball up to Carson Wentz. Therefore, messing up the timing of everything, putting you behind the chains. The teams in the National Football League that run the ball with regularity and have success doing so are able to stay ahead of the chains on first and second down, allowing them to stick with the running game. This is why Washington is was one for 11 on third down. This is why Washington's bottom 12 in the NFL in third down conversion rate. They're not putting themselves in good third down situations. And all of that, in my opinion, falls back to our big question of the day here. What is Washington's offensive identity right now, five weeks into the season? And then what do you think their offensive identity should be? 301-230-0980. Let's go to... My man, heavyweight boxer Mo Wilson wants to tap in. Mo, what do you think Washington's offensive identity is right now? And it's a two-parter for you. What do you think it should be? Right. What's, what it should be is they need to play more draw, throw more draws, uh, spray some um, some uh, 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 delay uh, uh, with running backs in the backfield. But, the, again, like I said, the whole problem – yeah, I appreciate the call, mother. The phone monsters got you here. 301-230-0980. Let's go to Emery, who's in D.C. Emery, what do you think Washington's offensive identity is right now, five weeks into the season, and what do you think it should be? The identity is right now is passing. But at the same time, you got to work with what you got. So, Benzo, you don't have a, you have a weak line. You're supposed to use the Tom Brady effect. It's been working for him for 12 years. Go to the blocking backs, quick screens, slants. Do what works for your team and – if your line can't block long enough, that's what you need to do. It worked for Brady. It's a copycat league, so why are we doing it? We got hey, four weapons. Great question. Speedsters. We got four speedsters. Our punter catches the ball and goes straight down. Why De'Ami Brown is not back there? Number 15, I don't know who he is, Dax but he Milton. catches the ball, which is, which is a good thing. Yeah. But like yeah. I said, he doesn't break no tackles. He doesn't make anybody um, miss. And position, field position is a key because we can't move the ball. But if we throw short passes because of our line, we can move the, move the chains and do the hurry-up offense. That way, it'll slow down the pass rush. Hey Emory, hey, Emory, I appreciate your call, my man. And I agree with what Emory's trying to say. He's He said he feels the their identity currently is a passing offense. Now, the beautiful thing about the National Football League is there's different variations of the passing game. You can be a pass-first team and still be where Washington sits statistically when you talk about the yards per attempt. Right? If I was to ask you, because there are a couple other teams near the bottom here for Washington that are, you know, maybe not as high-octane offenses or, or maybe have way better personnel than Washington has. The Tampa Bay Bucks sit here at 22nd in yards per pass attempt. Now, if I was to ask you the identity of Tampa Bay, you would say that is a passing team. Of course, when you have Tom Brady as your quarterback and you got Julio Jones and Mike Evans and Russell Gage – and Chris Godwin, of course your offensive identity is going to be to throw the football. But as Emery alluded to, there are different ways to throw the football. And I think for Washington right now, it's about finding that balance of when you take your deep shots down the field and when you just ask Carson Wentz to be point guard Carson Wentz and be a distributor and get the ball to his playmakers, a la J.D. McKissick, Gibson, McLaurin, Samuel, Dotson. It's an interesting conversation. I want to continue. I want to keep it going here. 301-230-0980. Let's go to Mark and Chevy Chase. Mark, 
What do you think Washington's offensive identity is right now as we hit the week six mark tomorrow? And then what do you think it should be? Hey, our identity um, nationally is McCorn. We have one consistent player. Um, I can justify the rest of how we – the rest are inconsistent. Uh, they're injury-prone um, so far. And then our identity should be the Hogs. Um, that's it. So you think this the, the offensive – you, you think this should be a team that pounds the football and tries to run it down teams' throats is what I'm saying. When you mention the Hogs, when that's the, the type Hogs of football and style really that they play. Good, we gave up, when the Hogs were really good, we gave up, I think, nine sacks in a season – Wow. Mark Rippin, who was notorious for fumbling, um, sat back there, and you could probably count to four, if not six, uh, with he had that much time. Um, we did not have penalties. You you mentioned all of these things in, uh, with your previous callers in, your, in, in this segment, yeah. how there hasn't been a game, I think, in two decades where we don't get terrible offside penalties, false start penalties. At just like a first and ten, a second and ten, we get a false start. Um, this season, I'm not packing yet, but so far um, there's been too many holding calls on second downs, which are forcing us into passing downs. Um, if we play penalty-free football on offense, um, hopefully we change the identity of one consistent player to, as you say, uh, McKissick, uh, Brown, um, um, all, you know, Dotson, um, the rest of the group, Samuel. Hey, Mar- uh, hey Mark, know. I appreciate the call, my man. If you're on the line, stay there. 301 230 0980. This is an interesting discussion here right now because Washington's glaring issue right now resides on the offensive side of the football. And I think the root of their issues is that they just simply don't have an identity right now. And if you listen to them talk all summer and all offseason, even at the beginning of this year, they told us that the style of football that they think suits their personnel best is what they did during that four-game winning streak last year when they controlled time of possession and ran the football uh, at a consistent rate. As we sit here five weeks into the season, week six kicks off tomorrow night in Chicago. I don't even know what to call tomorrow's game. We've already did must win. We've already did win or else. (laughs) Tomorrow's game, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this. We'll call tomorrow's game win or don't get on the damn plane back here. That, that's what we'll dub tomorrow as. 301-230-0980. As we sit here five weeks into the season, Washington clearly is struggling on the offensive side of the football. What do you think their offensive identity is right now through five weeks? And then it's a two-parter for you. What do you think their offensive identity should be? We'll continue to take your calls next right here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. And always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Burgundy and Gold today, the new midday show here in town. We got you covered weekdays 12 to 3 right here on the Team 980. Myself, the legend, Scott Jackson of the DOC, Rick Doc Walker. We got the biggest names of Burgundy and Gold history, expert analysis, and fan reaction. We'll get some expert analysis coming up here at the bottom of the hour at about 1245 or so. Former Commanders tight end Logan Paulson set to join the program We'll take a deep dive and preview Commanders and Bears tomorrow night. I dubbed Dallas a must-win football game. Obviously, they lost. I dubbed last week at home against Tennessee a winner else. Matty E., you said, or I said earlier, if they lose tomorrow night, they shouldn't be allowed to get back on the plane. And when I say they, I'm talking about this coaching staff. Now, our astute, super smart engineer, Matthew Essig, did some research for us and told me just how long it would take the commander's coaching staff to walk from Soldier Field back to Ashburn. Yeah, so just for everyone knowing, it is a total of 683 miles. That should take about 226 hours. Don't ask me how many days that is. I think it's close to... Wait, hold on, hold on. It's I, a little bit short I, I, of, I guess, 10 days. Beautiful thing about the, af- 20, the beautiful thing about the iPhone. Wait, 24 hours, 240 hours, so it's just short of 10 days. Says 10 days. Wow. Yeah. Well, I clearly, okay, when you're working with a zero at the end, Matt, I know. that doesn't make you any smarter. No, no, you, okay? no. I'm not taking credit for that. No, it's just, just that was a simple you. math. No, I got you. Yeah. I mean, that, that's where I'm at right now with this football team, though, because we know it. Look, I'm not mad at the fact that they are throwing the ball more than they're passing the ball. That's, that's understandable. When you invest $28 million at the quarterback position, you expect that. But my frustration is that we've seen this team have success running the football, yet they've gotten away from it a lot earlier than they probably should have. And you all know football out there. That's why I love this fan base. Y'all are one of the smartest fan bases in the world, right? Y'all have the same mindset that I am when it comes to offensive philosophy in football, right? Because this is what I think their identity should be. When you're able 
to have a real threat of running the ball. Guess what that does? When your runs look like your play-action passes, that allows the play-action passing game to open wide open, right? And that allows Carson Wentz to have more time to throw the football because guess what? Teams are going to be honestly respecting your running game, and the pass rushers can't go balls to the wall trying to get to the quarterback. They have to play the run on the way to the quarterback, which buys you just that much more time to execute what you want down the field. We saw it last week, and we've seen it every time Carson Wentz has had extended time in the pocket this season. We've seen him hook up on some of these deep shots that we were promised this offseason when they invested in this guy. Last weekend against the Tennessee Titans in the first touchdown pass to De'Ami Brown is a perfect example of what Washington can be offensively and the type of big playability that this group has. But in my opinion, we can see the deep shots with more regularity and have them have more success if you commit to running the football. And look, teams that have that offensive identity of running the football, guess what? Guess what? They're okay with two-yard runs. They're okay with a yard and a half on a run, three yards on a run, because guess what? Those three-yard runs and two-yard runs in the fourth quarter start turning into five- and six-yard runs, especially when you've got a back as bruising as Brian Robinson. I do expect him and his return to the lineup to play dividends this week specifically because we know Chicago defensively is not that good when it comes to stopping the run. So hopefully they follow what Coach Linnell says because Coach Linnell says, I'm running the ball and I'm taking my shots deep with play action and that's going to get teams to play you with two safety looks. That's going to get teams to play you with light boxes. And we've seen it. And I think this is the frustration that they had with Antonio Gibson. When you're committing to running the football, you cannot settle for negative runs. You can't. You can't settle for the negative runs. The beautiful thing about it for Washington is Carson Wentz is legitimately one of the best deep ball passers in the sport. Let's just give him a better opportunity to connect uh, with his guys down the field. 301-230-0980. The question is simple. Five weeks into the season, what do you think Washington's offensive identity is right now? And then what do you think it should be? Let's go to Rick, who's in VA, wants to happen. What's going on, Rick? Man, what's up, man? Um, look, we, we, we don't have an identity right now. That's the problem. Yeah. We don't have one. Last year, you know, you, you touched on something that I was going to bring up. When you look at last year, the success we had, uh, the measured success we had last year, but a big, big part of that was the offensive line. The defensive line, that, that's a smoke screen. I'm not saying, you know, we don't have no good guys over there, but people caught up into all the number ones and Chase Young and all that. It wasn't even the defensive line. It was the offensive line because we kept saying, even with Heineke, man, they protect him. He got time to throw, but he won't release the ball. He won't let it go. Right. You know, we know he don't have that big arm, but he wouldn't let it go. So, really, the identity really of the team or, or in, in the strength of the team last year, it really was that offensive line. So, why did you let these guys go? You know what I'm saying? They was talk, talking about how last year, oh, man, we got a piece together line. But even though they piece together, I mean, all these different combinations. But they protecting Heineken. He a backup quarterback. But this year, look at this dude, man. Five games in, he running for his life. And we already know he's not mobile, but he running for his life every game. Yeah. He running for his life, man. So on the offense, we don't have an identity. And what I think we should be, what we should be, is like any good successful team, 
I mean, you know we've had teams that they had the better defense or better offense. Right. But if you look at the Rams last year, right, and various other teams, I really would like for us to be, let me put it like that, I would like for us to be a type of team, like you said, we got so many weapons where people don't know which way we're coming from. They don't know if we're going deep. They don't know, man, these guys got a couple of running backs. Man, we don't, we just, you, you just got to cover everybody because, you know what I'm saying, that's the identity I think we should have because of the weapons that we have. We should just be a threat all the way around, man. So it's, it's, that's why I feel it's disappointing, you know what I'm saying. And like I said, you know, the offensive line, we, we got to – I mean, Carson is not that strong in terms of mobility, but we got to protect the guy, man. Yeah, I appreciate the call, my man. Look, I agree with everything you said. Protection is paramount when it comes to Carson Wentz. Now, I'm not of the group of fans that is oblivious to the mistakes that Carson Wentz has made as well. He is, as we sit here, going into week six tomorrow. He is the most sacked quarterback in the National Football League. Part of that is on him. Part of that is on the offensive line. But the key part of that is also part of it is on him. He's got to be better. And I think when they first made the trade, and we saw the cast of weapons that this group had. It led us to raise our expectations for this group because it's year three, because internally they felt pressure, because internally they were telling us that they were expecting to take this significant jump. The last caller just hit on it. They didn't build this roster properly. And I do agree with the sentiment that he just echoed. We don't have an offensive identity right now. And that's the difference between a team like us and the Tennessee Titans. On paper, I picked them to win. I did. And I got pie in my face. But I picked them to win because from a pure roster standpoint on paper, there isn't some glaring difference between Washington and Tennessee. Washington's got talented cats. The big difference between them and Tennessee is Tennessee knows they are a run-first football team. Derrick Henry, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to go to the exact number here so I don't mess it up here. Derrick Henry on Sunday, they committed to the running game. He ran the damn ball 28 times. And it was only for 3.6 yards a pop. His longest run of the game was for 15 yards. But that's what happens when you're able to sustain and stick with your running attack. It allows you to hit a deep shot off play action like they did to us. But right now, though, it's a question we want to answer. 301-230-0980. We'll go through a rapid fire here. Let's go to Steven, who's in Upper Marlboro. What's happening? What's going on, Steve? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? So, one of the biggest things I see, like the last caller said, offensive line coaching last year was top tier. Uh, no matter what was being put into place, no matter what players were being plugged in, they were being coached up, they were being motivated, and we had the trenches on lock, obviously, on the offensive side of the ball. This year what I'm seeing is that, just like any company, when you, see, when you invest a lot of money in one place, you mm-hmm. lose the ability to invest in other places. And that's what Washington has done. You put $28 million behind Carson Wentz, and you figure, I don't have to put as many dynamic players in front of him because his strong arm, his body tight, he's the prototype quarterback. He can get it done with these weapons, and that's not the case. Every part of the organization needs to work together. So, no, we don't have an identity. Our identity should be run first right now because our, our big boys aren't getting their motor started, man. Like, from Little League football all the way to the pros, you got to get these big boys motor started. You got them backing up and pass pro yeah. the first play of the game. Get them going forward. Get their juices flowing. Get some hats on somebody, man. Get some get some pads going. Yeah, I appreciate the call, man. Look, we got Logan Paulson, former commander's tight end, coming up in about three minutes here. 301-230-0980. We'll take one more of your calls. Let's go to John in Oklahoma. 
wants to tap in. John, what do you think the offensive identity is of this Washington Commanders team right now? You know what? Let's hey, thanks, let, 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 hey, yeah. Hey, thanks for taking my yeah, call. I appreciate first. it, buddy. Um, well, yeah. Hey, listen. Um, you know, football hasn't changed. We dropped him. We lost him. Logan Paulson, former Commanders tight end, coming up here in the next three minutes. We'll ask him the same question we've been posing out to you guys. What is the offensive identity of the Washington Commanders? And it's a two-parter. What should it be? Logan Paulson, former Commanders tight end, coming up next. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Burgundy and gold today here on the Team 980 and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Joining us right now on the Team 980 guest hotline is former Commander's tight end Logan Paulson. Big fella. How you doing, my man? I'm good. How are you, Lanel? You all right? I'm good, man. I'm a little under the weather here, fighting through it. I feel like I feel like Jordan back in, back in the 90s, Logan. This is my, this is my flu game. <laughs> The, the discussion we've been having right now, Logan, I opened up the show asking this question, and I want to start off my, my, my conversation with you asking you the same question. And we kind of talked about this Sunday during the in-game show. What is the offensive identity of the Washington Commanders five weeks into this season, Logan? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think um, they're probably still trying to figure it out, and I think I'm okay with that because I think the opponents of the last couple of weeks have dictated different offensive solutions. Like, I look at 
Tennessee and we knew they kind of played base coverages um, that they would be really familiar with because the defense is very similar to what Jack Del Rio runs, right? So I'm okay with them throwing the ball over the yard. And I think there was a bit of criticism about the total number of rush attempts. But I think prior to the two-minute drive, they only had like 48 offensive plays or something like that. So I do think that's something to consider in terms of what their offensive identity is. I think Dallas, they kind of understood the pass rush was really good. Need to run the ball a little bit more. So I'm okay with that. The identity maybe not being as clear, and I like that the offense has some flexibility to it in terms of what they can get to and how they can get to it. Um, but again, I think you want to see kind of a more well-balanced group this week, week against Chicago. I think you'd like to see more sustained offensive production. And with that uh, sustained offensive production, I think you'll see more touches for guys like Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, out of the backfield as pure runners, and maybe even Curtis Samuel. So all those things I think are important to consider when kind of determining what the offensive identity is for this group. When we talk about this offense, Logan, a lot of the fan base, and myself included, go back to week one against Jacksonville, and we're asking ourselves, what the heck has happened to that group? We saw them come out with multiple personnel groupings. We saw heavy use of motion. We saw them get Curtis Samuel involved on the jet sweep action. What's been the biggest change in this group I guess from a personnel standpoint and a philosophy standpoint since week one against Jacksonville where they had so much success moving the football. Well, look at some of the stuff they did against Jacksonville, and I think some of the success was because of Jacksonville. And I think Jacksonville is a very talented defensive group. I think they've got a lot of youth, but I think you also saw some of their inexperience that first week. I think some of the early kind of short intermediate stuff was really, really successful because guys were missing tackles. Curtis was breaking tackles, and it allowed them to kind of get into second and manageable situations. And, you know, they would take shot plays on first down. They weren't uber efficient in that game. Shot plays on first down. And they were able to kind of get back into manageable down and distance with some of these, like, higher percentage throws. And over the last probably four or five weeks of the season, that has not been the case, right? They've really struggled uh, kind of getting efficiency out of those higher percentage throws, quick game, RPO stuff, all those variables. And so I think that, to me, has become more of the issue, right? And I think um, – understanding understanding that is really helpful. They basically saying this offense needs to be better with some of that intermediate stuff. Cause I think as we saw last week, the, the lower percentage stuff, the downfield passing game seems to be working pretty well for this group. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and, and as fans, I know it's hard for people to digest and understand the fact that, Hey, look, we can't just take a deep shot. Every play, like you mentioned, you have to have some type of efficiency and balance uh, on the offensive side of the football. A big part uh, of creating that balance was supposed to be rookie running back Brian Robinson. He obviously makes his season debut uh, this past Sunday. From from your ability to go back and look at the film, uh, when you take a look back, how do you think he did in his debut? I think he did pretty well. I mean, I think there, you know, his his efficiency numbers weren't very high in terms of average yards per carry, things like that. But I think when you look at what the runs were blocked for, how um, Tennessee was fitting the runs, how Tennessee was defeating blocks, I think he did a nice job finding soft spots and runs. And obviously he missed some cuts here and there. I thought, uh, you know, he kind of was stressing to push the ball outside in a couple situations where he probably could have cut it up inside. I think there was two runs like that out of eight or nine, whatever his final total was. But I think on the, on the whole, that's a pretty solid performance uh, in terms of like him missing a lot of football over the last um, couple of weeks uh, because of the injury and because of the incident. But um, I do think that he's solid and I think he's just going to keep getting better and keep improving. And, um, you know, I think it's important for fans to also understand that while he's a very, very skilled runner, he's not, you know, he's not going to be this generational changing player at the position. He's just a good football player. And this kind of performance is something that I think is, is going to be very common for him, you know, moving forward. 
Not yet, at least, Logan. I, look, I, we, I think the fan base was all very excited about, you know, the different change of pace type of back that he can be. You know, he was advertised as a physical downhill guy, but when we got to see him in, in training camp, we were more impressed with his ability, his short area quickness, and his ability to make guys miss in the hole. Another rookie, Logan, that made his debut on Sunday was tight end Cole Turner. Uh, they, we saw him used in, in a couple different scenarios. I don't believe he finished the game with a catch. I wanted to ask you this from an X's and O's standpoint. What he brings to this offense, I think, is much different from any of the other tight ends. I think he is the only tight end on this roster from an athleticism standpoint that you have the ability to isolate him uh, by himself on the boundary and let him win one-on-one matchups. We didn't really you know, see him do that much on Sunday, though. Why? Well, I think also, you know, it goes back to that play allocation scenario. Yeah. I think he did get a couple targets. I think uh, there's a couple, a couple, maybe two of those that maybe could have got a pass interference. He's a bigger name tight end. He did have an isolation route that he won pretty definitively on that fourth and five situation. Um, and Carson looked up at the football. So I do think he that athleticism was on display. Like when you go through each play, obviously there um, he still is kind of getting his legs back under him. Um, and I think, getting more confident, uh, you know, with each performance. And I think they're, Carson and him are still, um, you know, maybe working through some chemistry issues at the moment just in terms of how they run certain routes. But I, I like what he did. I thought he played very hard. I think he um, competed, you know, when he was on the field, which to me is a is a big deal for rookies. You know, is the moment too big for you? Are you a better word? Right. I didn't see that from him. So I think he's uh, – I think the more he's on the field, the better for him and the more opportunity he has to work with Carson – that's just going to improve that relationship and improve uh, his number of targets and his number of touches. So I'm excited for what he's going to, what he's going to bring. Um, obviously there's going to be a little bit of growing with both him and Brian Robinson, but I think they're both going to be very, very good players, um, you know, sooner rather than later. Let's flip things over to the defensive side of the football, Logan. And it's so interesting because early on in the season, week two, uh, this team goes on the road and gives up 425 yards of offense to the Detroit lions and it feels like since that game, Logan, defensively, I mean, they have been so much better. You see guys coming into their own. A guy like Casey Tuhill's really been impressive uh, getting after the quarterback. James Smith-Williams and Montez Sweat starting to figure it out on the edge. In your opinion, what's been the biggest reason for this defense's turnaround thus far? Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're just playing more consistent. I think people forget that, you know, in that Detroit game, John Allen was banged up. You know, they had just lost Fedarian. They hadn't had an opportunity to bring in a guy like John Ridgway. You know, Daniel Wise was out of that game right. as well. F.A. Obata was playing three technique for a lot of it. So they were understaffed and undermanned. I think Cam also missed that game. So I think they were, they were playing a little bit shorthanded. So I think the return of Cam is a big deal. I think the return of, you know, depth pieces likewise, the signing of, John Ridgeway is a big deal, you know, in terms of how it, it makes that Cinco package more effective because you have a true nose guard. I think that's a big deal. Um, I think you're getting excellent production out of John and um, John and Payne. And I think a lot of that's because the depth pieces are back, right? You know, FAL Bada does a great job on the inside and he gives you some rotational depth on the outside at the edge as well. So I think getting that group healthy has been a huge deal. And I think everyone's just playing better football. I think when you look at Jamin, he's playing good football. I think Cole had an excellent game on Sunday against Tennessee. And Cam has just been Mr. Consistent since his return outside of a handful of plays. So I think all of those factors are important for that front playing better, specifically against the run, but also just the defense as a whole, like getting some leadership pieces back with a guy like Cam Curl. Or with a guy like, uh, Cam Curl. Logan, let's flip our attention to the Chicago Bears, tomorrow night's opponent for the Washington Commanders. I don't know how much you've gotten an opportunity to look at them yet. Uh, what type of challenges do they bring 
uh, offensively for this commander's defense. Obviously, we know in the past, uh, Washington struggled with mobile quarterbacks like Justin Fields. Uh, how, how has he played this year? And then how do you think Washington uh, is going to look to attack this group? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'm writing an article for commanders.com. And one of the things that I said in there was that Tennessee, Tennessee runs the ball out of like um, because they've designed the offense that way. <laughs> Uh, Chicago runs it out of necessity. Right. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, like, right now, Fields is really struggling playing the quarterback position at the NFL level. He just lacks anticipation. He lacks timing. He lacks, um, oh, excuse me, accuracy in certain situations. And I think he's really, really struggled. And their offense is pretty much predicated on whether they can run the football and whether he can cultivate one or two big plays over the course of the game, which, to his credit, he's been able to do, whether it's on a broken play where he scrambles out of the pocket, very Russell Wilson-esque last week against Minnesota and throws it to an uncovered receiver for a touchdown, you know, like it ends up being like a 60 yard play or he breaks the pocket and then runs for a 40 yard touchdown, right? Those outside of those plays, their offense was very tepid and he just is able to kind of find these moments against New York, for example, launches a, I think 65 yard ball in the air catch to, um, you know, Mooney for who's kind of their big play guy at receiver. So even though the offense struggles, I'd say mightily down in, down out, you know, they run the ball uh, on third down yeah. quite a bit, third and long situations because they don't have a lot of confidence in fields and his ability to, to get the job done. But to his credit, when things are going well, he's able to get, you know, he's able to kind of create something out of nothing despite kind of this, this lackluster offensive performance as a whole. So I think to me, that's the biggest thing that I'm concerned about is, I'm pretty confident this group can stop this run game. You know, Cody Whitehair, they're, they're, who's maybe their best offensive lineman, is hurt. Uh, I think that's a good matchup for John and Payne on the inside. Um, I think they're going to be able to handle him as a runner on first and second down. But to me, the thing that is the, the kind of outlier, the interesting variable is, can they manage him on third down, third and long passing situations where he does take a lot of sacks, he does take a lot of pressure, but he's also, you know, every five or six plays or so able to do something kind of special. So managing those special moments for him, I think, is going to be a big deal. Yeah, and Washington, obviously, as we just mentioned, has done a much better job of that over the past couple of weeks, specifically uh, on third down. Let's flip it over to Washington offensively and how they plan to attack this Bears defense. Logan, when you were a player back in the day and offensively going into the, going into the week, the team that you guys were playing just could not uh, stop the run. As a player, were you like, yeah, let's go pound them. I want to hit these guys because I know maybe they're not as tough as we are. Chicago coming into this coming into this game, Logan, is giving up 170 yards per contest on the ground. That's 31st in the National Football League. If you're Scott Turner and company, is it just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball? Well, I think it's also important to understand how how teams are running the ball against them. One of the things that when you play Chicago, you're not worried about their offense at all. So you know you can kind of – I don't want to say waste, but, you know, waste is the word I'm going to use. Uh, downs in terms of running the football and kind of allocate more time there. They're often playing from behind uh, Chicago. And so teams, that when, when they're playing with a the lead, they tend to run the football a little bit more. So right. I do think that's part of it. I think that's part of why you see that kind of disparity in rushing statistics. Because I do think the defense is a pretty good group. And also they play teams like Green Bay. They play teams like San Francisco, teams that are outstanding at game planning runs and putting their guys in excellent positions to be successful. So I also think that's an important variable to kind of be aware of when looking at that rushing statistics specifically. But I do think when you see that and you kind of smell blood in the water, you're like, okay, we got to make the running game go this week. We got to find runs that we feel are good versus this front and that put our running backs and offensive linemen in the best position to be successful. So, you know, that's one thing about the NFL when, when a team, you know, shows a weakness, it's 
teams have to test that weakness. The commanders will have to test that weakness this week to see if they've got it corrected. Um, so I do think that the commanders are going to run the ball quite a bit, but I also think it's important to understand that that group is not just a bunch of pushovers. Right. It's a little bit situational as to why that number is the way it is. Logan, I appreciate you giving us some time, my man. Dude, Leno, always fun talking to you, bro. Definitely. See you tomorrow, buddy. Yeah, later, bud. That is former Commanders tight end Logan Paulson. You can check him out on the Take Command podcast. Him and Craig Hoffman do a beautiful job with that. A Odyssey exclusive. You can get that wherever you download your podcast. You can also check out Logan Paulson during the Burgundy and Gold live show with myself and Denton Day. He also does pregame work with a man Craig Hoffman as well. So Logan Paulson gets around, <laughs> to say the least. we got to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll dive into a little bit more of what Logan Paulson said. The Chicago Bears... Coming into this contest, giving up 170 yards per game on the ground. Would it be smart for Washington to try to attack that? Or do the callers out there think they've got a better idea? 301-230-0980. We'll be right back right here on Burgundy and Gold today. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is Electrified Diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.